Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. There's a couple of things that we got to pull out of here uh, that I want to bring about. So there are four oppositional battles that can hinder your success. Four oppositional battles that can hinder your success. We talked about the first one. The first one is the battle of fear. The battle of fear. The battle of fear. Now, fear is something that hasn't happened yet. Most of the time when people say they're afraid of something, they really haven't done it yet. I'm, I'm afraid to start that business. Have you ever started? No. Then why are you afraid of something you haven't done? Amen. Now, we're not supposed to have phobias as Christians. Fear, phobia, timidity. God says in his word, I have not given that to you. So if God didn't give it to you, guess who did? The battle of fear. Why are we so afraid as Christians? Why are you so afraid to get a better job? Why are you so afraid to start that class? Why are you so afraid to start that business? Why are you so afraid to spend a little money to go somewhere you've never been before? Hello, y'all kind of quiet today. You afraid of what I'm going to say? <laughs> Praise God. We get delivered. Amen. Fear, fear, fear. Somebody say, I'm not going to fear. Now, the moment you make that statement is the moment when you leave this church. And here comes fear. Some people are afraid to be broke. I am. See, when you... <laughs> So I had to help myself by saying, I know I'm already rich in Jesus, right? So, so my bank account does not determine if I'm rich or not. The Bible says that we are rich in faith. Why? Because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has clothed us with his righteousness. Therefore, everything that, that's his, come on, everything that's his is ours. Why? Because now we are seated in heavenly places with Christ then if we are seated with him, all of the authority that he has is ours. Therefore, we shouldn't be fearful because we have power of attorney. See, when you have power of attorney, it means that the authority has been given to you. So Jesus gave us power of attorney, and he said, this is what you get. All you need to do is one thing. You can use my name. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Why? Because God has given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God our Father. It's a name. Somebody say it's a name. See, if you put that name on any situation, that situation has got to change. Why? Because the name of Jesus is above every name. Glory to God. It doesn't matter if you know how to pray or not. It doesn't matter if you know all of the scriptures or not. But if you got that name, Amen. demons fly from that name. Amen. See, the seven sons of Sceva, they tried to cast a demon out of a man in the book of Acts. Praise God. And they went in, in, they went in and said, we are Jew you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. They didn't even know about God. See, that's why you got to have a relationship. See, somebody say relationship. <laughs> Just because you come to church don't mean you know God. Just because you give tithes don't mean you know God. Just because you read the Bible don't mean you know God. Just because you say you're a Christian don't mean you have a relationship. Amen. They say, we're Jew, you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. 
Therefore, they didn't even know who Jesus was. They was just trying to use a name and rub on his belly like a little boodle doll and say, you're supposed to do exactly what Paul said. Now, something happened. The Bible, <laughs> the Bible said that the demons jumped off that man and jumped on them, stripped them naked, and beat them up. They left the house naked and bleeding. Why? Because they didn't have a real relationship with Christ. You can't use the name if you don't know him. See, I have a relationship with my bride that nobody in this church has but me. She has a relationship with me. Nobody else has that relationship but myself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, and amen. And I like that relationship. Hallelujah. Hamburger. You know what I'm saying? I like that relationship. Now, now, now listen, listen. Because we have a vital relationship with one another, we know how to have a relationship with God. Because he teaches us, based on my relationship with him, how to relate to her. That's why a threefold cord is not easily broken, because we have God in the center of our marriage. Hello, somebody. So therefore, if you are a married couple, because Christian couples are falling apart left and right. I mean, they're beating up their wives. I mean, what's the boy? I just saw the boy beat up his wife. He just got put on probation. No, James Fortune. Right? Come on, bro. You and your wife are supposed to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and y'all can't get along? Something is wrong. Somebody's lying. Because the Bible is true. If you got the Holy Spirit, there should be a level of conviction to come upon you to keep you from being your wife. Hello, somebody. See, I just like to call it like it is. And when you see stuff like that, now, 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 he's not a perfect man. I know that. I know all of that. I'm not a perfect man either, but I'm not beating up on my wife. Oh, you know, you get cut, right? Asia going off back there. Asia <laughs> said, boy, you hit me, I'm going to cut your throat. <laughs> I'm going to cut you from left to right. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. So listen, what, listen, saints, no fear. Somebody said no more fear. No more fear. See, we, we should be overcomers, not overcome by fear. Check this out. This Aristotle said this. He said, he who has overcome his fears would truly be free. He wasn't even a Christian. But he's quoting scripture because he who the son set free is free indeed. Free from what? Fear. Uh, that was Aristotle. So, so I'll give you guys some good stuff. Let me give you the second one here. All right. What's going on with my button? The battle of cynicism. The battle of cynicism. David's brothers had a negative attitude. Did you see? David was just walking up saying, who is that guy? And wh- wh- what are you, wh- why, are you, why are you haven't killed him? That's basically what David was saying. His brothers we're cynical. What you doing down here, David? Well, see, that's what happened with people who are not doing what they're supposed to do. They don't want you to do it either. See, see, when David had an attitude of, I'll take him out, then his brother was like, who are you, David? If we are in fear, then you should be in fear. Notice how, see, a lot of this fear comes from parents. Sometimes the way we parent Mm. Just don't want the kids to do anything. 
No, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to drive. <laughs> then you got to drive them everywhere. I just, I'm just so nervous that you might have an accident. Then you're putting that fear on your child. Right? But we made Caitlin drive. Amen. Didn't we, baby? We put that chick behind a big truck. A big, we had a, at, back then, we had a big Yukon XL, you know, with that extra tail on the back. We made her drive on the interstate. She was nervous and sweating. Wasn't <laughs> <laughs> you, boo? But she knew how to drive. She, knows she can take you anywhere. Right? Why? Because we, want, we didn't want to hinder our door. My daughter don't need a man to take her nowhere. She has her own house. She has her own car, makes her own money. She can go do what she needs to do. Hello. That's how I supposed to be. We didn't put any fear on her. We wanted her to go out and do great things. We wanted her to travel. She went to Europe before we did. We still haven't gone. <laughs> but we're going, praise God. We bought it. We paid the ticket. Now we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. So, so listen, don't put that kind of fear in your children. Let your children live. Cut their biblical card, please. Because if you don't, they're going to stay with you till they party. You don't want that. Glory to God, you don't want it. I'm telling you now, cut it. Let them grow up. Kick them out the nest. They'll fly. But they will never learn anything unless you cut the cord. Amen. Listen, listen, get away from cynical people. Always negative. Come on, y'all know who I'm talking about. Always negative. It doesn't matter what you say. It's something negative has to come. You already know before you even say it. And when it came off of your lips, you said, "Man, I shouldn't have said that." Because what they said, I don't even know why you're trying to do that. You know, last time you got hurt when you tried to do that. Just negative, right? So you got to get away from negativity. That thing will hinder your blessing. I'm telling you, because you'll start listening to that negativity, and then you your life will be based on what somebody else has said. Cynicism, look at this one. The battle of criticism. I don't know where these little lines came from, I'm sorry. The battle of criticism. Because see, people will always criticize you. Let me tell you something here. This, this, is, this, mm, this is so amazing. Let me, let me just show you this quote right here. Don't allow the criticism of people choke out your calling. <laughs> mm -hmm. Isn't that good? They criticized David. They said... Who did you leave those little few sheep with, David? By the way, you know that they said those little few sheep? They didn't want to give him credit. Those little few sheep. We had to, me and Lane had to face that in, in Christendom because, because we got a little few sheep over here in this church. And there are certain people didn't want us around because our church was too small. Oh, yeah, it's, it's there. Come on, it's there. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just willing to talk about it publicly. Right? But that was okay. I said, because we'll go with our little few sheep. Because we're slaying giants. Hello? So you can criticize the smallness of where we are, but the Bible says don't despise the days of small beginnings. Hallelujah. Because the, the size of the ministry that God has blessed us with has nothing to do with the amount of people that are sitting in the church. The ministry goes way beyond noses. And I'm not counting noses. I'm counting hearts. And our ministry goes way beyond what are sitting in the seat. I say that to say this. We have been criticized, going to be criticized. But I don't define my calling based on what people say about me. You cannot do that, saints. You might have somebody in your life right now criticizing where you are right now. 
That person, that, listen, let me tell you something. Oh, there's two things you can do. You can either receive that, and this is how I know you receive it, because you get mad about it every time. When you stop getting mad about it, that's the very first moment you just got over it. Why? Because now that person does not determine your emotional stability. See, when people, when you go around, people say, oh, every time I go around them, they just make me angry. Then get away from them. The moment you can get around them and they don't make you angry anymore, you know you're delivered from it. Why? You see them coming. Come on, what you got? What you got? Take your best shot. That's when you know you're delivered. But when they come and you go, then you might not be over it yet. Right? Don't let people criticize you in a way that's going to keep you from your calling. Listen, they may not understand what God has in your life. And that's okay because it's not for most people to understand. Let me tell you some word on this. Can I give you some word? The Bible said they came out from us that it might be made manifest that they were not of us. For if they were of us, no doubt they would have continued with us. Everybody that start with it, they're not going to end with you. Just solidify that in your heart right now. Some people was never meant to stay. And we're trying to hold on to people who were never meant to stay in the first place. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. So, so listen, listen, th- let me give you the fourth one so I can move on into this message so y'all can go eat. Okay, battle of skepticism. How many know some skeptics in your life? I didn't read about it. I, I stopped reading, but here's the skepticism. When David said, I'll take out the giant for you. Don't worry about it. I got it. King Saul says, wait a minute, David. Um, let me help you because you can't beat him by your, come on, come on. So David, can I just give you my armor because you don't want to go out to battle by yourself. So let me give you something that belongs to me. Actually, it was a backhanded lick to say, you're not going to win. And if you're not going to win, you might as well put on some armor. Because he didn't believe David would kill Goliath. See, that's why you got to have discernment. Because there are people who are always trying to put their stuff on you. See, you got to have your own anointing. I don't need anybody else's anointing. You don't need anybody else's anointing. You got your own anointing. You got your own blessing. You can break yokes just like anybody else. You don't need somebody. You don't have no reason to be jealous of what other people are doing. You just operate in what God has given you. And the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. And if you just use your weapons, God will take what you got and you can sling it at the giant. David said, no, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't prove this. Because you can't prove what hasn't been approved. See, Saul's armor hadn't been approved for David to wear. Why? Because David had his own armor. What was his armor? It was the army of the Lord. Saul couldn't see it because he was carnal. Carnal people can't see the anointing on your life. Carnal people can't see how God is going to use you mildly. So when you get on that platform, you don't have to apologize. Why? Because you defeated all of these oppositions. And when you slay the giant that'll take you before men, the Bible says it like this. If you're faithful over a few things, I make thee rule over men and I enter thee in into the joy of the Lord. He said a man's gift will make space for him. Use your gift. You don't need anybody else's gift. And you don't have time to be jealous. When somebody get blessed, somebody get promoted, you should be happy because yours is coming. 
I love to see people promoted. I love to see bishops and pastors and elders and deacons promoted. Man, that's my heart. I like to promote people myself, but you got to be promotable. Paul says, in these things that we have left, please leave these to faithful men. Not just anybody. Can I give you some more word? Many were called, but few were chosen. Why? Not because God didn't call them. He said many were called, few were chosen. Why? Because few accepted the call. He can't choose you if you don't accept it. He can call you, but you still have to accept it. Some of you sitting in right here, you haven't accepted the call yet. You're still running. Why? Fear. Somebody might criticize me. Well, let me just tell you, they will. If I get up there and say something, I'm going to say something wrong. You will. I went to, I was preaching in the other building when we was down the street. And uh, right when I came off the pulpit, you can, you can relate to this. Right when I came off the pulpit, somebody walked up to me and said, Pastor, I ain't like nothing you preached on. See, and I, I was, see, I was, I was, I was good and delivered. If that had been two years previous, mm, I, I might have turned into Huggy Bear. And <laughs> see, so, see, only the old folks in here know who Huggy Bear is. The young people are like, who is Huggy Bear? You're going to have to explain to the young folks who Huggy Bear was. <laughs> Y'all remember Huggy Bear? Okay. Now, Huggy Bear, he was a pimp. And he would pimp slap you. And that's how I felt. I felt like in, in the spirit, I wanted to pimp slap him. I even saw myself doing it, and it was funny. And I said, I said, really? I said, hmm. I said, I'm sure, I'm sorry that you didn't, you didn't like what I was preaching on. Now, I recovered really good, but when I got home that night, man, that thing bothered me. I am not lying. So, so this is what I did. Can I just be honest with you? I say, God, are you sure this is what you want me to do? And if you listen close enough, because see, sometimes you got to stop praying and shut up and listen. See, sometimes you just go in your room and don't say a word. Just, God, I'm here. I got my pen, got my pad. Listen. Might not say anything for for an hour, (laughs) but just listen. You know what he said? He said, Who called you? It was very simple. Because he knows it doesn't take much for me because, I mean, I'm not that complicated of a person, so it don't take much. He said, who called you? I said, uh, you did. He said, so why are you complaining about somebody else complaining? That's pretty. I said, okay, God, I got it. But, but that, that thing hurt me. Why? Because criticism is not something you just get over. It'll get in your spirit. Right? That's why you got to go pray and let the Lord deal with it. So you got to give it over to the Lord. I, I like what Donna Lawrence said. So, you know, when, when you get in the spirit, God will show you your enemies and your friends. Uh-huh. But you just got to get in the spirit, right? You got to worship God. You just got to go and just say, God, I need your help. I don't know what I'm doing here. Amen? Amen. And a lot of pastors don't have a clue what they're doing, but they won't let you know. I'm telling you, most of the time, I don't know what I'm doing. I just follow the Lord and say, Lord, you, you're going to have to help a brother on this one, right? All right, y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, so those are four oppositional things that hinder your, 
Okay, here we go. Seven valuable lessons to learn from the valley. We've already covered a lot of these. Okay, the first one we talked about was spiritual weakness affects a nation. We already know that because the whole nation was running in fear. Running in fear. See, this nation was built on the premise of God. If you read our Constitution, you'll understand that. And if you read uh, the Declaration of Independence, you'll understand that 34% of those documents are from Scripture. And what they were preaching in the pulpits, they actually put in those documents. you got to understand that. Go and learn about the Black Robe Regiment. Those were people, those were preachers who were fighting. See, you're not supposed to just preach. You're supposed to be a fighter, too. Right? See, I don't just tell you stuff. I'm living it. See, I'm fighting out there just like you are. Amen. And so that makes a preacher more effective if he's out there in the trenches with you. And and I'm a military person, so I understand there are no atheists in a foxhole. (laughs) Listen, when those bullets are flying, everybody believes something. (laughs) Right, Randy? Randy, tell you, he was over there. He had two tours in Iraq. So when bullets are flying, everybody believes something, right? The bullets are flying. You know that, right? So we got to act like they are. So spiritual weakness, paralyzing fear is a reproach to God's people. We already talked about that because when you're fearful, you don't move. You don't do things. It'll paralyze you. All the other 11 men stayed on the boat while Peter got off. Why? Paralyzing fear kept them in the boat because the boat was comfortable. Some of you are just too doggone comfortable. You're just complacent in your comfortability. You got to get out of that. See, sometimes you don't even realize how much faith you got until you get in a situation where you have to use it. Then you understand, well, how much faith do I have? Then then you get into an area where you read the Bible, nothing is making sense. You don't even know where to read. You don't even feel God. Yeah, he's stretching your faith. Right? And and then you say, what am I doing wrong? Who says you're doing anything wrong? Maybe God is going to stretch your faith. Do you realize a rubber band is not even useful until you stretch it? It's useless until you stretch it. You're nothing but a bunch of rubber bands. And God is the only one that knows how to stretch you, and he makes a a certain situation to stretch you in because he can't stretch you like nobody else can. And God knows every nook and cranny that he's supposed to stretch you so he can get some of that weakness out, some of that fear out, some of that unbelief out. I'm talking to another church. I'm not talking to this church, right? Okay, we're going. Next. Everyone has something to give, saints of God. you got to know this, that you got something to give. Everybody was born with a unique gift from God. you got something to give. It doesn't matter if you've never tried to exercise your gift before. you got something you can give. You can add value to the lives of other people. You, you, you don't have to start a church to do that. You can just go and just start blessing somebody. Just go and encourage somebody. And I'm going to tell you something. When you start solving problems for other people, you will always be wanted. Just solve solve some problems for some people. You watch how many people call you. You just start a ministry where you start helping people and watch how many people come out of the woodworks. Why? Because now she's adding value. When you start adding value to the lives of other people, other people hear about it and they want to be added value to as well. Why? That's why when you come to a church, you're supposed to be filled with an anointing. You're supposed to be filled with a desire to go out and do great things. When you leave here, you should at least have a why so God can show you your way. But if you don't have a why in life, you just run. You're living, but you're alive, but you're not living. You're on autopilot. You're just flying around. Don't even know where am I going. I don't know. Set the destination. I'm going to say set the destination. destination. It's time for you to set your destination. What do you want in life? What person do you want to add value to? 
Just go ahead and start doing that first, then God will show you your why. Well, God, I don't know exactly what you want me to do. Well, bless somebody. No, God, I'm going to just sit here. Well, you'll never know. The guys on the boat never walked on water. You can't be a water walker. Who is <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. That's an inside joke. I don't preach like that, so I'm, I shouldn't even talk about it. Give me the next one. God has not called you to be a spectator, procrastinator, perpetrator. He called you to be a participator, liberator, and innovator. Amen? You will never win a ring sitting in the stands talking about things. But the people in the stands always know everything. They always know. They know what the coach should be doing. Why you call that play? Do you know that was? I can't even believe he called that play. Well, guess what? They win the game. You still don't get the ring. You're not in the game. People who just sit back and complain are not in the game. Now, some people are around the game. You know who they are? They're the referees. See, you got some people in church that are nothing but Christian referees. They always want to point out your faults. <laughs> See, they doing that. Ooh, I can't believe she wore that. Ooh, look at that. Why you doing that? Did pastor tell you to do that? <laughs> nothing but a bunch of referees. You know what? Referees don't get a ring either. They running around with everybody. But guess what? When it comes time to get a trophy, they get nothing. All right, next. All right, this is where I've been trying to get to. Disobeying God has consequences. That's where we stopped last time. Disobeying God has consequences. First Samuel chapter 15. First Samuel chapter 15. I'm going I'm to I'm talk fast, so you got to listen fast, because we had a lot going on earlier, but I want to get this out. Amen? First Samuel chapter 15, verse 18. I'm going to go ahead and start reading while you turn there. Um, and it says, now the Lord sent you on a mission. He's talking about Saul, and this is the, the prophet um, Samuel. He's talking to the king Saul. He says in verse 18, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 18, now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Now, now he was supposed to fight against the Amalekites and he was supposed to kill them all. Somebody say he's supposed to kill them all. That's what consumed me. Now, verse 19, I know that sounds savage right now, but this, this does have spiritual implications because if you don't kill all of your enemies, they're going to come back up. Right. Right. They're going to spring up somewhere. So if you just hold on to that little secret, that little secret enemy is going to eat your lunch. That's what this is talking about. So it's not necessarily talking about killing people, even though they did. But it has spiritual implications. And this is why we have to give you a spiritual understanding here. And then he goes on to say, why then did you not obey? Somebody said he didn't obey. Why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Verse 20. And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed. Wait a minute. Didn't God just tell him to consume them all? Okay. Well, Saul didn't. But Saul says, I, I, I did what you told me to do. He's delusional, okay? And so, so he, said, he said, but I obeyed the voice of the Lord and, and gone on the mission of which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, the king of the Malachites. So if you brought back a king, you didn't consume them all. So the brother just said, I obeyed, but 
And you already, I already taught you what but is, right? B-U-T. Just one T, right? We got big butts. One T. All right, because y'all don't. I know, man. Y'all be like, I can't believe the pastor was talking about my butt. I know it's big. But see, but, 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 but is an argument for your limitations. And when you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. God, I want to do that, but <laughs> I did obey, but, well, pastor, I want to be there, but you see, but limitation, you're arguing for your limitations and you get to keep them when you argue for it, right? But, but, but somebody, somebody, somebody say, get rid of your big butt, B-U-T, all right, B-U-T. So I don't, I want to make sure you don't take this message and y'all twist it some kind of way. Amen. So he brought back Agag, verse 9, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep. So then they brought back some sheep too. Uh, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. So they brought back a whole lot of stuff and were unwilling to un- utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, worthless that they utterly destroyed. <laughs> everything that was easy to destroy. See, see, some stuff is just easy for us to get over, but there are other things that are not. <laughs> now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set you Saul as set you up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me. Now, God is the one that said that. That Saul has turned back. Now I don't have time to read all of that. Jump, jump over to verse 22. 22. Oh, what was I reading? I was reading the wrong verse anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this stuff is so good. I went all the way back on y'all. No, no, let's verse 21. I'm sorry. But the people took up the plunder. Now he's blaming the people. And the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things, which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord God and Gilgal. Verse 22. So Samuel said, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. There are five truths about disobedience. Um, so let's start with right here. Did you know this came from Friedrich Nietzsche? He said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. There's a song. Who sings that? Kelly Clarkson, Kelly Clarkson sings that, right? Well, what, does it, what, doesn't, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. This is actually where it came from. Now, what does that mean? That means that you can go through something that will almost make you think it's going to kill you. But when you come out on the other side, you are usually stronger. Okay, let me, let me see if I can use this church as an example. How many of you have ever gone through something physical in your body? I mean, something physical in your body, right? And it was, it was tough. It was a tough thing to go through. My God, as a matter of fact, you sometimes cried yourself to sleep at night. I know I did. when I, I, had, I was struggling with my cancer. And so, so sometimes you just, it, it, it was not that I didn't have faith. You know what it was? I, I was human. See, see, so pain is pain. It doesn't matter. And, and so being confused doesn't mean you don't have faith. I had plenty of faith, but I still, I was just trying to sort some things out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I was just, me and God were just trying to sort some things out. So it was a time where, listen, it got hard and difficult for me. 
But now that I am on the other side, I am much stronger. Now that you are on the other side, you are much stronger. Why? Because what happened was, as God took you through your low point, as God took you through your valley, he was changing and rearranging some things in you. He was stretching your faith. He was making you pray. He was making you worship. He was making you read the word of God. He was making you give in spite of your circumstances. And he was taking you from faith to faith. People like the faith to faith, but they don't like the two part. Uh-huh. Faith to faith. The two part. Ooh. Now, I don't, I don't know how long your two has to be because it's relative to your situation. But some people stay in the two. And it gets too much. It gets too hard. It gets too difficult. And God says, no, I'm trying to stretch you out of your two to get you to your faith. Hello, somebody. Because a lot of times God would get you out so you can help others. Come on, come on, come on, somebody. You're not getting out because of you. God will send somebody else to you to talk to you. Like, baby, I know what it feels like. I cried myself to sleep too. Someone, come on, come on. Anybody ever been through depression? By show of hands. Ever been through depression? Now, depression, that's a, ooh, that's a monkey on your back. Depression is nothing to laugh about. Depression is serious. It is serious. And so, see, so you go through that depression, you, you, don't, even, you don't, don't even know what your raison d'etre is, your reason for living. You just, you, you don't even like living. There, there's no reason to get up. Hello, somebody. It's a serious thing, right? But God can bring you through that depression. Check this out. So that you will see somebody smile in your face and you recognize something. And you can go to them and say, tell me what's going on. Wait, what do you mean? Something's going on. Oh, no, I'm good. No, you're not good. I, I, see, I see myself. Uh-uh. Talk to me. What's going on? Uh, you just don't know. Yeah, I do know. <laughs> That's, you know what happens? See, the anointing connects with that problem. Mm. See, see, that's why that's why when you go through something, what God is doing, he's increasing your awareness. Not that he's increasing your anointing. He's increasing your awareness of your anointing. And when your anointing touches a situation that's a problem, he makes you a problem solver. See, because we have the solutions to the world's problems. It's in the anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Why? Because when the anointing touches that wound, that wound says, hey, hey, oh, somebody touched me like nobody else has ever touched me. That's why when the woman with an issue of blood, when she reached up and touched Jesus' garment, everybody had been touching him. But she was the only one that made him turn around. Why? Because she touched him with some faith. Talk to me, somebody. She said, no, I got to get to this man. This is the only man that can help me. I'm broke, busted, and disgusted. I've been, I've spent all my money. And bad matter of fact, I'm worse. She said, I got to get to Jesus. Can you imagine that woman? Everybody stepping on her. Everybody criticizing her. Getting cynical about her. Why are you coming to Jesus in the first place? You have no right to get to the master. You have no right to be blessed. You have no right to walk in an anointing. You have no right to be an elder. You have no right to be a bishop. You have no right to be an apostle. 
And you have to say, you don't understand. You can't get me to my next level, but Jesus can. Glory. See, when you know that, nothing can hinder you. Nothing can slow you down. When you get to Jesus, it doesn't matter what people say. They can criticize or they can talk bad about you, but you got to get to Christ. Glory to God. I feel a little something going on on the inside right now. I'm stirring up some faith inside of you right now. That's why Apostle Paul said, stir up the gift that's deep within you. Come on, put your hand on your belly and say, stir it up, Lord. See, if you don't stir it up, you can't kill any giants. God wants you to stir up the gift. You've had it on the shelf too long. Get it off, dust it off, and use it. Somebody is going to walk in some anointing up in here. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Don't be disobedient. Disobedience is an act of rebellion because rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. See, see, disobedience means, <laughs> see, when you disobey God, that means you said no. When you hesitate, you disobey. See, one of the, the problems with Moses is, you remember he went to the backside of the desert? He was on the backside. Remember? Moses had an anointing. Moses was supposed to deliver the children of Israel. But, but Moses, he, he tried to operate before his time. He had a passion for his people. But he didn't know how to harness that passion. So when he saw that Israeli, Israeli person striking one of his Hebrew brothers, you all know the story. He got mad. Did you notice what he did, though? His posture? The Bible said he looked this way and that way. See, he never looked up. See, when you try to operate in your own anointing, you're always looking left and right, but you don't look up. And see, when he did that, he killed him. He mur Moses was a murderer. Right? And so now, 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 now he's running in fear. Right? He gets married. He has children. Moses was on the backside of the desert. He has a wife and he has children. But he spent more time with the animals. See, when you don't know your why, then your way will be off. He didn't know his why. So he spent time away from everything with the animals on the backside of the desert. If you look up the word backside, it comes from a root word to procrastinate. Procrastination is still disobedience. Well, God, I'll do it, but uh, can I do that next year? So what God has to do is pick out somebody else. He will step over you. Joshua, go. Moses was dead. When Moses died, the people cried. God said, why are you crying? He said, go. He can't use you when you're dead. See, we're supposed to be used on this side of the earth. Right? So what are you waiting on? Go out and help somebody. Well, Pastor, you just don't understand. I hadn't been reading the word. Don't worry about it. You got enough word in you. You got the Holy Spirit. Right? You don't have to be people's God. Just show people that you care. See, I'm not here to be anybody's God. He is God and God alone. 
He'll be God when we're all gone. He is God alone. Beside him, there he is. Our problem is we're trying to be God to people. No, just be who you are. Everybody wants to be valued, including you. That's why you hear words like that from this church, that I value you. Because maybe you've been in a place that didn't understand your value and your worth. Maybe, maybe you've been in a place that actually abused your gift. I don't know. I'm not saying. And I'm not knocking any other place. I'm just saying that can happen. Right? So what I want you to understand is that you are in a place that has compassion for God's people. And I value the gifts that you have in you. Because if I don't help you understand your gift, then the church will stay weak. The church is not meant for long rangers. We're not the Avengers. I know some of us act like Hulk, but... You know, when you get angry and you black out and cuss people out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me like that. Don't, don't even try it with me. Pastor, I have, no, I have never cussed anybody since last night. <laughs> Disobedience is an act of rebellion. Disobedience is also the sin of witchcraft. Disobedience is also a form of idolatry. Did you know that? Because mm-hmm. you're putting more faith in something else other than God. Disobedience is also a rejection of God's word. Because you don't believe that God is true to what he says, even though he says, I cannot lie. Disobedience is also rooted in pleasing people rather than pleasing God. Saul said it was the people that took the animals. He started blame shifting. Pastor, you don't understand, you know, my weight, my background and stuff. You don't understand. God can't use me on that level because of my background. You just don't know where I came from. I don't think God much cares. Because he called you before you knew it. And if he called you before you knew it, it don't really matter about your background. He knew what your background was going to be when he died on the cross. Are you here with me today, saints of God? Don't let what you've been through stop you from where you're going to. Faith. To faith. Glory. God is calling you from something to something. Listen, when God chose the disciples, they were already busy. If you ain't doing nothing, he ain't going to call you. If you're not already busy, why would he call you? Boy, that was deep, wasn't it? (laughs) Man, y'all got quiet on me, man. I was like, oh, Lord. Right, 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 right. Listen, listen. Every one of those guys, they was catching fish. They were doing something. They was busy doing something. And what did he do? He said, follow me. Oh, yes, sir. (laughs) Instant obedience. They dropped their nets and followed Christ. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I know you've been out there fishing for fish, but I'm going to make you fishers of men. Amen. You are... The net. Every church has a net. You're it. Now, I can go out and I can pull a fish one by one. 
But if I grab you and throw you out, it's what, about 70 folks up in there? How many people in here? 82 people in here? 82 people bring one person. This building went whole. I'm casting you out right now. Next Sunday, this building shouldn't hold us. That's the word of God. That's the word of God. If each, each one bring one, and I know we've always thought each one teach one. Is another word, right? So let's, let's bring some more in here and get the word of truth. Amen? So we're going to stop being disobedient. We're going to stop living in fear. And I have so much more, but I'm stopping right there. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.